Good afternoon and welcome to MoneyWeb at Midday with myself, Nastasia Arons. It's just gone 12 o'clock on the dot. Coming up on the show, we'll be talking to Gary Boyson, who's a portfolio manager at Rand Swiss. He'll be taking us through the day's market performance and also uh, look back on the week that was. We did have results from uh, pick and pay. We had clicks. We had CPI numbers and uh, various other news information. So we'll uh, go through all of that with Gary Boyson after the short break. MoneyWeb has a unique opportunity for financial advisors. Through our Click and Advisor offering, advisors can interact with a growing investor-based audience and attract new clients. To find out more, visit www.moneyweb.co.za. This show is brought to you by the Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Jamie on the line is uh, Gary Boyson, and uh, he'll be taking us through the day's market performance. Uh, Gary, how are you doing today? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, how are the markets doing so far? Um, it's a mixed bag at the moment. So the J200, which is the top 40, is basically flat. So flat is slightly negative. Um, we've had a little bit of a sell-off in Sassel, which is down uh, around 3%, which is, is, I suppose, dragging the index a little bit lower. Um, that's on an update from the uh, on the Lake Charles project. Uh, leading the upside, we have uh, MediClinic, uh, the likes of Aspen, and, and some of the resource councils as well. So we've got the Litton also looking pretty good. I think MediClinic just uh, continuing from that positive update earlier in the week. Okay. Something that is happening today, uh, which is, you know, everyone's looking forward to, depending on which side of the fence you're sitting on, it's either you lost a lot of money and you really want answers or you really don't care because you never had exposure to Steinhoff, but you're just there to just watch the events of the afternoon, is the Steinhoff AGM that's happening at uh, 1 p.m. SA and Netherlands time. What do you think could happen? Are you expecting anything at all? Any answers? Uh, perhaps, I don't know, something. <laughs> so <clears throat> I think, uh, yeah, every, everyone's really hoping to, to see some sort of uh, feedback on the, the PwC investigation because I think, I think that's what it really comes down to. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get it. Um, you know, we, we want to kind of understand the extent of the damage. We, we want to understand that, uh, you know, if Steinhoff is actually still a, a viable business and a going concern. Uh, but obviously, given given the commentary from management up until this point, uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it's very you know, clearly said that, uh, you know, it can't jeopardize the investigation and, uh, and they can only release very, very limited uh, limited information. And I think it, it's, it's going to probably be more of the same. Mm. So we know it's, uh, I think it's, it's very fortunate that the, the AGM is being held in Amsterdam because I think there'll be a lot of anti <laughs> local shareholders uh, there. I know the guys are already picketing outside the Cape Town Convention Center where where the uh, where the, the uh, it will be live streamed and there will be a broadcast, but uh, yeah, I think I think people are going to be disappointed. I mean, we're going to get an update on the group's liquidity, and uh, and there's going to be discussions uh, around uh, you know the change, changes in management, and, and and really I think trying to highlight uh, you know what the business strategy is and. And, and try and convince shareholders that that things are things are going to be okay. But uh, like I said, I think I think information is going to be limited. Mm. If you had one question to ask, that it would be guaranteed that you'd get an answer to. Say, hypothetically speaking, Gary Boyson from Ranswis is asking a question, and this is one question that they will give you an answer. You may not be satisfied by by the answer, but they will give you one. Which question would that be? <laughs> 
I would like an, an exact outline of the, the off-balance sheet items that, uh, that have been called into question. But <laughs> like I said, I don't think there's any way that's going to be, that's going to be um, delivered today. And, and, and that's because of, of the PwC investigation. A slightly softer question might be to ask when, when the PwC investigation is expected to, to conclude. So we know PwC has said that it, 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 it should be concluded by the end of the year. But I mean, you know, I understand that Spanoff is a complex uh, company and this is a, a very difficult situation. But uh, you know, a year is a very long time when mm-hmm. when uh, the questions around the company are obviously you know having real operational effects on it. You know, the, the kind of liquidity crunch that they've gone through is based on the uncertainty. So the sooner we can get clarity, the sooner uh, Steinoff might be in a position to actually survive as a company. The longer the investigation drags on for, the more likely that uh, these shares are going to zero. All right. Let's take a quick break. And then uh, when we come back, we'll continue our discussion with uh, Gary Boyson and talk about uh, the past week's events. Welcome back. It's uh, five minutes after 12. We're still joined on the line by Gary Boyson from Ren Swiss. And uh, he gave us a, a bit of an update as to how the markets are, are, are trading so far. But Gary, uh, looking back at the week, I mean, we started the week with, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was a volume of about 14.6 billion, which is generally a volume you'd normally see during the December holidays when, you know, things are quieting down. So it was very thin. But there were some bits of information that were coming here and there, company news, etc. We had a change in leadership with various uh, JSC companies, Anglergold announcing a leadership change. Uh, Johan van Sale, funny enough, from Steinhoff saying that he'll he's resigning from the supervisory board. Uh, who else? The tragic end of the imperial CEO, Mark Lamberti. And, and other news. So, which one of those caught your eye? Uh, yeah, so I mean, we, we had a look obviously at Anglo Gold as well. So, um, you know, looking at Venkat leaving, leaving Anglo Gold, uh, it's it's something that uh, I think uh, you know, has been coming, but there's all sorts of speculation about uh, you know, whether there's, there's something else going on here and there's, uh, you, you know, some, some sort of grand play. But uh, yeah, looking looking at it, uh, you know, he's been with the company for what eighteen years, and uh, and I mean they they go to now announce a successor before before he finally does give up the helm. But but that certainly was interesting, and I mean Anglo Gold uh, did suffer a little bit on the on the back of that. But uh, yeah, so certainly I mean it, uh, it's an interesting situation. Hmm. And then Robosis uh, had news as well. Uh, Andy Lemazwai stepping down with immediate effect. And when I was speaking to an analyst who looks at the property stocks, he says generally, and not specific to Robosis, but generally when a company postpones their uh, the publication of their numbers, and it's not because they can't count how much money they have, it's not a good thing. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah, whenever, yeah, that, that, it's always going to be a concern on a company, and especially, uh, you know, after the, the kind of events that we've seen in the last uh, in the last couple of months. So, uh, you know, part, part of the tainting, you know, the property sector, but, you know, the likes of Steinhoff, you know, with, with uh, kind of the, the financial statements and, and, and these, these financial irregularities, it, it's, it's incredibly concerning. And you probably also find that markets do now overreact to that uh, just because of the, the, the short-term kind of bias uh, that, that markets have. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly not a good situation. And uh, again, I mean, the, the property sector has been a, a sector that's been under the cosh at the moment, and mm-hmm. uh, never good when you're not getting the information when you ex- when you expect it. Right. Markets don't like surprises. Can I put it that way? 
Okay. And then yesterday we had uh, retail figures up from Pick and Pay and Clicks. Did you get a chance to look at either one of them and what did you think? Yeah, so very interesting on the, on the retail numbers. So, you know, typically, you know, in the past, uh, you know, you've kind of favored the, the likes of ShopRite over Pick and Pay. Okay, Clicks has always been, been the, the, the steady eddy. But what, what we're seeing now is, is a real turnaround in Pick and Pay. And I think that's what uh, investors have really been waiting for. They've been waiting to see if Pick and Pay can, uh, you know, I suppose, uh, get its supply chain right, if, if it can start to take back market share. And I mean, if we look at the, the last, uh, you know, uh, Fourth quarter, like for like sales. I mean, pick and pay was up uh, what 5.3. Shoprite was up 3.5. So I mean, you are seeing you know, pick and pay clawing its way back into this market, which is which is I think very optimistic. I mean, we know that the retail space is very very competitive, but it's uh, it, it's nice to see the, the recovery that we are seeing at pick and pay. Uh, obviously, market participants also liking it with the, with the share up strongly on the day. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at Clix's numbers, uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of steady as she goes, which is, uh, I suppose, what you what you want from Clix. Uh, it's still obviously a, a counter that does trade at a, a significant premium, uh, but uh, yeah, it's still, still still delivering. Okay, the one thing that I found quite fascinating is the price of Brent crude when you're looking at the commodity side of stuff. I mean, uh, I think right now, let me just have a quick look at where. Brent is. It is seventy three eighty five. Do you see it going back to levels we last saw it at in say twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen of around a hundred and ten dollars a barrel? Or like is this a surprise number for you when you look at the price of Brent crude? Yeah, so looking at, looking at Brent, I think some of the, the recovery that we've seen uh, is also the escalating tensions in, in the Middle East. Obviously, we, we came into the week with, uh, you know, over the weekend, the announcement of, of strikes, uh, you know, coordinated strike uh, by France, UK, and, and the US on, on Syria. Um, now, technically, that shouldn't actually in, influence the, the supply of, of crude oil because, you know, the Syrian oil, oil uh, uh, exports at least collapsed in 2011 at the beginning of the Civil War. But uh, certainly just the escalating tensions that we've seen around Russia, Iran, the, the kind of geopolitical tensions, I think have, have helped to, to lift the, 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 the oil price. If you look at the actual uh, fundamental supply and demand dynamics in that market, uh, you know, we, we've kind of got uh, the idea that, that OPEC is going to take supply out of the market. But, but the problem is that the, the U.S. shale producers uh, you know, can still operate it you know, very, very efficiently at $73 a barrel, and, and that, uh, that, that shale production will just come online. So the kind of cartel pricing that we used to see when, when we had uh, oil at above $100 a barrel, uh, for me, I, I think is over. You know, we've also, uh, I'm by no means saying that we've managed to wean ourselves off oil, but if you take a, a much longer-term view of the, the rise of uh, you know, electric cars mm-hmm. um, and, and alternative energy sources, you know, oil, I mean, we, we have to wean ourselves off oil, and that doesn't bode well for, for the, the, the ultra-long-term prospect of oil either. Um, so for, for for me to see oil going back to sort of 144 dollars a barrel, I think I think those days days are are past. But uh, yeah, at 73, I think we're seeing a slight premium just on the escalations of, of tension short term, and um, I'd probably expect to see that come come off a little bit back down to sort of the, the 65 dollar a barrel level. But again, a, a very difficult market to price because they're so so sensitive to, to international events. If these international events or geopolitic, uh, rather geopolitical events happen, what do you see being the implications for South Africa? I mean, in the short term, that is. 
Yeah, so again, it depends how it plays out. So yeah. I mean, with what we've seen now with the Russian sanctions, so as I said, you know, the, the disruption of oil production in Syria is, is neither here nor there because they don't, you know, like I said, they haven't exported oil since, since 2011. Mm-hmm. But if you see if you see a, a true disruption to the supply of oil coming out of Russia, you will see much higher oil prices. Now, oil prices rising, yes, sure, it brings on more shale production in the U.S. It does, it does make more projects viable. Uh, so you will see new supply coming online, but, but just the removal will see higher, higher oil prices. Now, that obviously can feed through into South Africa via inflation. I mean, you're going to see higher, higher transport costs, et cetera. Um, high inflation means, uh, obviously, you know, a consumer that's a little bit more under pressure and is, is not really good for anyone. But uh, at the same time, you know, the, the, the global economy is a very complex place. So mm-hmm. while we're putting sanctions into Russia, the, the kind of backstreet, uh, the, the uh, other beneficiary of that is, is the South African platinum sector because you know, our, we supply the majority of the world's platinum, but the other major supplier is Russia as well. So that suddenly makes our products more attractive too. So you sort of see a, a windfall in that sector, which obviously you know, helps, helps with the currency. We're exporting more platinum. Uh, that makes our currency a little bit firmer. That helps to help to pull inflation back. So it's a, it's a very complex system. And, and like I say, when, when you kind of start uh, you know, tweaking uh, you know, tariffs especially mm. uh, and, and, and you start redirecting the flows of international trade the, the, the results are, are not always as people expect so you know just just to say you know rising tensions in the middle east or, or, or a specific geopolitical event um yes it, it, you know the, the linear effect might be that you see higher oil prices but there, there are so many other moving parts to the machine that it's, it's, it's very difficult to tell how it will eventually play out um, that said, uh, I think, uh, yeah, technically we would want, uh, you know, a freer, a freer global economy with, with more trade and, and certainly less concerns around, uh, around strikes and, uh, and the disruption of, of commodity supply. All right. The one person who fascinates me this week and who's really been busy, and that is our president, Cyril Ramaphosa. I mean, uh, to just, I mean, I think, First of all, the announcement of the investment summit that he is planning for August and the team that he has outlined that will be in charge of hunting down investments or, uh, you know, potential investors. But the one thing he's still adamant about is his growth rate or growth expectations for South Africa of 3%. And the IMF has uh, 1.5%. If you had to pick who to believe when it comes to South Africa's growth <laughs> potential, who do you who would you go with? IMF's one point five percent to Cyril's three percent. Yeah, again, you know, I think I think the, the four, we're not really comparing apples, yeah. apples and apples here. So, so again, are we, are we saying that we are going to grow at three percent, or that should be our target? Is is that the run rate that we we can possibly achieve? So, so the IMF, I mean, the IMF, that 1.5% is actually you know, fairly optimistic in, in that uh, they were at 0.9% and they, they've recently increased mm. it. Um, and part of that is because of the initiatives that, that the new president is taking. And, and certainly, I mean, we saw the, the affirmation of our credit rating from, from Moody's uh, earlier in the year as well. I think we're certainly making the right steps. But, but again, the, the big challenge is uh, to, to, to achieving a 3%, uh, even 4% growth rate in South Africa. So certainly not impossible. I mean, we've seen you know, other, uh, other emerging market economies growing 6 7% even. And, and I, I firmly believe that we can get back there. But we've got to address the, the structural issues that are holding back uh, the South African economy. You've, you've got to address education. You've got to address uh, uh, essentially what, what is an energy, an energy crisis. Mm. Um, you've got to address service delivery. So it's all, it's all fine and well to, 
to say South Africa is open for business and uh, and should come invest. Another issue is we need to uh, address policy certainty as well. So, yeah, I, I'm thinking, yeah, let's let's uh, you know attract uh, foreign investment. Let, let's by all means go on a roadshow to 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 introduce South Africa to international investors. But we've got to create the the environment in which uh, which FDI will flow into South Africa. And if mm-hmm. we can get that right, three percent, I think, is a very conservative estimate of, of how much South Africa can grow. All right, Gary, thank you so much for your time. That's uh, Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss. This show was brought to you by the Chartered Accountants of South Africa, leaders in business. Numerology studies tell us that numbers have symbolic meaning. Number eight stands for success, four is stability, and three represents advantage. These qualities, over and above trust, ethics and leadership, are embraced by CASA, the leading accounting, auditing and tax business designation underpinned by ethical standards, delivering responsible business leadership to take your business to number one. Because business is more than just numbers. CASA, leaders in business. That's it for me, Nastasia Aronsa. Tune in later tonight on RSG for uh, business. Goodbye. 